0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the LTC Bowling Show. I'm your host, Jr. Raymond, yet again. And today, i got a little bit of a topic for you. Uh, it's actually an old topic, but we're going to put some final thoughts on it. And we're going to talk about that old purple hammer uh, and the conspiracy theory behind it, everything that went into that, and finalize the thoughts on all of that uh, here right after this message. Stay tuned. Alright, welcome back. So, uh, a lot of you probably remember the story behind the Purple Hammer and everything that was going on there last year, uh, and earlier even in the previous year, Um, but what had happened was there were some rumors going around that supposedly some of them were illegal. Now, I'll skip right to the point here, and uh, it turns out that technically um, some from many different companies not just the purple hammer but some bowling balls uh mostly urethane bowling balls came back that were indeed uh illegal and what they had found out through study was that they were getting softer. The covers of the bowling balls were getting softer the more they were being used. Um, And excuse the noise and stuff, I'm back in my car. I'm actually headed to the pro shop to go drill some of these uh, Lane Masters, Swag, Lord Field, all these bowling balls. I just got a bunch of them in the mail, so I'm going to be getting those ones done up for review coming up in the next few days. Um, But... Yeah, all those bowling balls—the uh, the purple hammers, the pitch blacks, the you know the tanks from mo- everything—all of the urethane bowling balls, basically, from most of the companies. Now they didn't come out and say specifically which companies it was, so I'm going to go ahead and assume it was basically every urethane from every company, um, because they're all, for the most part, made up of most of the same materials. Um, But what they noticed was as oil was being uh, set onto the bowling balls, as they sat on there, they actually made the cover stocks a little bit softer over time. And even though the bowling balls were legal when they were originally made, over time they became illegal. Now, not all of them did, but the conspiracy behind it was that there were early batches of the Purple Hammer um, that had become... That, or that were made differently and that were too soft and that's why you know certain purple hammers would hook a bunch more than others uh turns out that wasn't really the case uh, it just seemed to be that uh, a lot of them were just getting softer with time and that's why the older number bowling balls actually turned out to be illegal more often than the newer number balls because they were just older they just had more games on them more use uh, more oil on them which in turn made them softer Uh, makes complete sense after all of that time trying to figure out what was going on there but uh, the the theory behind it was that you know with softer covers it would allow those bowling balls to hook more and still give you the controllability down lane Um, So so most people would be asking, they say, well, what's the big deal about that? I mean, we have so many different bowling balls that overhook or that outhook urethane. Why do we care if a urethane ball hooks that much? Well, because a urethane ball gives you uh, the the benefit of both. It gives you the extra hook and the stability throughout the entire lane. um, Where you can't get that from a reactive resin ball. Um, You can make a reactive resin ball hook early... Um, but then it's going to give you over under after it hooks early it's either going to hook early and do nothing the rest of the way or it's going to hook early and keep hooking and keep going left Um, whereas a urethane is going to basically hook early but it's going to blend the the entire pattern out so it's going to hook and it's going to continue to roll and just be smooth throughout most of the lane and then when we saw some of these purple hammers going down the lane And they were cornering down lane and actually really continuing through the pins. That's what really caught some people's eyes. And that's why um, that ball is the most popular urethane ball, especially if you're left handed, that is on the market right now. Um, And that's why other companies are frantic trying to come out with other, you know, urethane balls that can compete with it. Uh, Not so much that it matters anymore because the purple hammer is not being made that we know of, but, you know, Brunswick does have. Uh, the technology and everything to make those uh, bowling balls with those covers and stuff. Whether or not they can pull it off, uh, time will tell. Uh, Whether they will try or not, I'm not sure, I have no idea. Um, We'll see what they plan to do here in the future, Um, but as of right now, we have not seen anything uh, of the likeness come out from Brunswick, Uh, and from what I understand, uh, this next batch of Brunswick balls are going to be some of the first uh, with actual ebonite technology core in them. Um, and the reason why we haven't seen it sooner is because of how the cores and everything are poured. Um, with the molds that were given from EBI early on, uh, they were poured from the top and Mexico pours from the side. So basically that rendered the, the molding, uh, the caskets that they had, been given basically useless Um, so they had to redo uh, molding and all that stuff and it takes a little bit of time so now and i could be completely wrong this is just what i heard so don't quote me on it but it's what i heard Um, so that's what is going on there and why it's been a little bit delayed so a lot of those first initial hammer uh ebi you know all those bowling balls that came out uh technically weren't the ebi um you know technology yet so it'll be exciting to see what they do with the technology with the old cores you know the gas mass cores and stuff like that see what they're going to do to uh, uh the paradox core that'll be interesting putting some brunswick covers on a paradox core that could be really cool i'm excited to see what happens there i mean, they've already they came out with that redemption which uh, i'm not sure what ball that really was um, because obviously it wasn't i'm pretty sure it wasn't an EBI core or an EBI cover so um, Who knows? But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what some of these mixtures with some of these cores that were EBI mixed with some of the Brunswick covers and vice versa, EBI covers mixed with Brunswick cores and all that, but uh, as far as the the urethane stuff goes, that was quite a debacle there. It started a little bit of a stir and people were getting a little bit aggressive uh, towards people that were using those bowling balls. Um, thinking that people were cheating and everything else when obviously that wasn't the case nobody was cheating Um, not not intentionally you know some balls did come back illegal but it didn't matter at the end of the day but what did happen was after this was all said and done it actually forced USBC to make a change in rule Uh, so they ended up changing their durometer hardness scale uh, up, up from 72 to 73 points uh, that you have to start your hardness at so that kind of takes care of you know that little bit of leeway there and then you have your uh, you, you know you have your your extra points there that you can have that can go below that it's not a big deal um, but they were changing that rule to make it to where you know most bowling balls wouldn't fall below that 68 range which is what they were kind of you know looking for now, the whole discussion can be changed, and we can get into a big discussion on whether or not, you know, bowling balls should be allowed to be as soft as they are overall anyway, you know, as far as, you know, the, re, the re, reactive resin. Uh, most reactive resin are already harder than what a urethane ball is, but um, do we think that they should try and, you know, heighten that? You know scale up a little bit as well to make it to where some of these covers aren't as strong or aren't as porous uh, maybe the absorption rates need to be looked at. You know, I mean, this, these are all the things that USBC and all these companies look at, uh, and they debate and they wonder whether a change needs to be made to you know better the integrity of the game. You know, that's just a whole another debate. A lot of people think that the equipment is the problem in the game, and some others think that the uh, the, the lane patterns are the problem. Now, I know a lot of people said, well, why don't they just make it to where. You know, if you want lower scores and you want more integrity and you want shot making brought in, why don't they just make it to where you can't use these huge 14 to 1 patterns and they actually have to put oil on the outside of the lane? Well, they tried that. Uh, the original intention was that the red, white, and blue patterns. If anybody remembers when they were rolling out that system, uh, they wanted all the, the the centers to use you know one one or the other. Uh, the red pattern was the easy pattern. White got a little bit a little bit harder, and then the blue. I mean, maybe I'm backwards. Maybe it was the blue was the easiest. I don't know. But either way, it went from easiest to harder. Um, and basically, what had happened was centers were saying, "Well, if you're going to force us to use these patterns." I'm not going to sanction, and I'm just going to keep putting my pattern out because bowlers don't care uh, if they're sanctioned or not. Because honestly, what do they even get for their, you know, sanctioned money now? Because most people don't understand the importance of USBC. They don't understand why USBC is important to the game, uh, and why we pay the money for that. So uh, they basically had said we're just not going to sanction, and USBC can't afford that. You know, they can't lose any more. You know, any more. Uh, Sanctioned bowlers than they already have lost so they kind of bailed on that project a little bit I think that you know the patterns are still kind of running around out there a little bit But that was kind of the general idea was let's see if we can't bring a little integrity back use a little bit more difficult patterns uh, And and, you know really teach these people some bowling, but the problem was uh, if I put that pattern out and My center all of a sudden is averaging 10 or 15 pins less than Bob's Center down the road People are just going to bail on my center because I'm making them harder. And Bob, who didn't end up following the rules and didn't sanction, you know, they're making them easier. So people are going over there to bowl because they want to see their 230 average and their ego can't take that hit, you know? So that's kind of where the uh, the discrepancy came in, where people weren't, uh, weren't very happy with stuff like that. And that's why you don't see a whole lot of participation in a lot of sport leagues and stuff. They're very difficult to get off the ground because... Um, I mean, I, I guess people just don't really want to set their ego aside and learn what the sports side of the actual game is. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've witnessed leagues be ran, sport leagues be ran, where, you know, 220 average guys come in and average 160, and they're miserable, and they're just not having any fun. And it's not because they're bowling bad. I think it's mostly because they weren't getting any instruction. They weren't learning anything they were just getting their brains beat in and they didn't understand why because they've bowled one way for so long. They've just piped it up the track area with a certain hand position with a shiny ball and they average 220 and now they do that on a short pattern and they're either missing the head pin left and when they move their feet a little bit to the left they're missing the head pin to the right. You know so and that's not any fun for somebody who is used to averaging 220. I mean that's a lot of what goes on at USBC Open Championships as well. That's some of the complaint there is that they make them too hard out there. And so bowlers, uh, some bowlers say, well, I'm not going to keep going out there and getting my brains beat in just for a little vacation time. And especially when we continue to go to Reno, you know, four out of five years, you know, it's not even like it's going somewhere new. Uh, they said a lot of bowlers were saying if we would go somewhere different every year it would be a completely different ball game they wouldn't care if they got their brains beat in it's worth it to be able to go somewhere new all the time but because of the contracts and having to go to now vegas and reno all the time vegas isn't so bad a lot of bowlers like to go to vegas but reno is kind of oh it's miserable going out there sometimes there's just not a lot to do and you're stuck either in a casino or you know wandering around the the bowling center there, the stadium. But I mean, they have done some renovations there. They redid the entire place. So I'm excited to kind of go back out there and take a look and see how things are now. But I know uh, bowlers still kind of have that same mindset. I don't think they're really going to care too much about the renovations and all that. I think they're going to Say the same thing like send us other places. We want to go to New Orleans, we want to go to Orlando, we want to go to California. Like, they just want to go to these different places uh, and bowl, they don't want to just keep going to the same places, you know. So, and again, like, the, I don't feel this way. I'm gonna bowl every year just because I, I enjoy it. You know, I'm a competitive bowler, I like to bowl in the competitive stuff, uh, and there's a lot of money to be made out there at the USBC Nationals. That's the only place I know of where I pretty much can go out and shoot 590. And no, I'm going to double my money in brackets for the most part, you know, depending on, you know, which squad you catch. If you catch this right squad, you're going to make a little bit of money. So it's kind of nice to see uh, when we do it that way. It's pretty cool. Um, but it doesn't always happen. You know, I've had times when I've shot 640, 650, and I've ended up, you know, breaking even or losing a little bit of money. But, um you know, it is what it is. It happens. But uh, anyway, so the so the urethane debacle was it was it was kind of crazy. You know, at one point, uh, USBC in the middle of the night uh, ran out to uh, the summer stop at, in Aurora. And in the middle of the night, they went on the truck and they started, you know, testing the durometer readings of all these bowling balls to see if any of them came up illegal. And none of them came up illegal at the time because they were all brand new bowling balls. You know, so they all matched. And uh, the only ones they were finding that were illegal over time were, like I said, the ones that were already in use. The ones that were being played um, on the oil. And they started getting softer with time. So there really wasn't much of a story there. I think it was more of a story being made out of it than what it really needed to be. Um, But nonetheless, it was a story. And, you know, it was something you know, that blew around the bowling industry for quite some time. So it was pretty, it was a pretty neat thing as far as, you know, could there possibly have been illegal bowling balls in the market? You know, other than like the the Jackal situation back in the day when USBC deemed the Jackals, uh, the original Jackal illegal because they went over the 060 marking uh, on a a bunch of bowling balls. So that was kind of crazy. One company actually turned in another company. We don't, I don't know who, uh, that's the rumor is that one company found out that there was a bunch of them that were over 060 and so they had shipped bowling balls to or shipped cases of them to uh, usbc to basically tattletale and uh, bowling ball ended up getting discontinued off the market for those of you that haven't heard that story and it kind of put a dent in uh, motive's pocket there because they had to then replace all those bowling balls and it kind of hurt some pro shop guys too because basically they were going to have to drill these balls for free now they didn't have to but uh, they, if they wanted to, you know, keep customers and not make anybody mad, they probably should have, you know, forked over it or at least gave a massive discount for drilling them or just at least charge just for the materials, the slugs, and the fingers. And unfortunately, you know, time is still money. So now these guys and gals had to drill these bowling balls uh, for these bowlers, and it wasn't even their fault, you know. So it was just kind of a mess there, but uh, it got taken care of, and Motive did a pretty good job covering Uh, covering their tracks there and making sure it didn't happen again and they released a special edition ball to to go out to all those bowlers and all that good jazz so it ended up working out in the long run Um, but it was another one of those stories that had happened in the industry that most people probably uh, they might not even know about you know same thing with the purple hammer situation there but I don't know what do you guys think what do you think of the whole urethane debate and all that you know sean rash came online and said or on the on the tv show and came right out and said that he wished urethane was banned you know so uh what do you guys think of it is it is it a tool is it a good tool for people to use i've won with it i've used it uh, i use it when i can uh, i'm not totally against it when it's used properly um, my only issue with it is you know sometimes people go to it as a you know kind of like a crutch they go to it when they don't need to or when they don't have any other option uh, and I understand that I get it um, you know sometimes you're just well your ball reaction is just that bad so you have to do something to try to keep things in control uh, and sometimes urethane is the best option so you know that that's what it is that's the way it goes and I can't blame people I've done it myself you know if I, I'm trying to keep myself around the number uh, for the cut and I am bowling poorly at the time. You can't figure it out with resin and they're hooking. I'm going to try and control the pocket as much as I can to try to get a little bit of score. So I don't really see anything wrong with it. Uh, I've grown to adapt to it and learn to use it myself. So I kind of like the situation when I can use it. Um, not a big fan of guys like Justin Knowles throwing beach balls every, every week. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Justin, just busting your balls a little bit. But, uh, No, I mean, he he gets to use that ball an awful lot. Man, does he make it look good, you know? And the kid that I lost to in match play this past weekend, um, you know, he was using one, too. And again, it looked really good. So, um, luckily for them, they get to use it more often because they have less traffic and they don't see the transition from it. So they can kind of stick with it a little bit longer, so it's nice for them. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the years uh, with pattern, you know, with pattern evolution and all this other stuff to see how... Uh, Lane men attack, you know, the use of urethane and all that because there is some controversy out there about it You know a lot of people like it a lot of people don't like it You know same thing with two-handed bowling a lot of people like it a lot of people don't like it You know uh, these are the things that we deal with in our sport, you know Just like any other sport they have all kinds of different things going on as well. So anyway, I'm gonna get out of here Make sure to you know hit that support button if you can if you enjoy having these conversations and stuff You know, let me know by showing some support Um, But until next time, guys, I'm out of here. We'll see you guys later. Take care.